Hey, this is Brendan Gersall from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Man, I'm just so excited to be here. And if you've been tuning in with us for the last couple of weeks, I hope you've sensed a theme in this season that you know, we, want to, we want to be encouraged in this season about what God is up to. There's been all sorts of things that have been wrong in our world, and we want to look at the things that are right. So Pastor Adam and Pastor Brent have just been so uplifting and so encouraging for the last couple of weeks. And so the last thing I want to do is get up here and make you feel bad about yourself, all right? So this is the summer of encouragement, and we're going to keep that encouragement train rolling here. And I want us to reflect on just for a few moments today while we're together, if we can, of why we can trust God, why we can trust and believe that God is good. How can we be optimistic in a season like this, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through right now, like how is it that we can rehearse hope like Pastor Brent was talking about last weekend? And here's the thing, all right? It's a pretty simple answer. The reason that we can have confidence, the reason that we can trust and believe that God is up to something amazing and up to something incredible and he's got plans like he's never had before is that it's 100% based on who God's proven himself to be in the past. All I have to do is read the scriptures. All I have to do is look at what God has done in my past. Like that song we just sang. Like, you've taken me through the fire, but I can say in full confidence that, God, you are good. I can sing about your goodness. I've lived your goodness. And so if we look at the promises of God in the past, then it's really quick and easy to see, hey, we have all the right in the world to be optimistic in this season. And here's the thing about a season like the one that we're in, all right? You know what? This is different right now. Let's just be honest, okay? No matter how you're doing church, it's different than we used to do it. You're probably sitting in your living room right now. Maybe you've got your kids around you. Maybe you're at a watch party with some friends at their house now that restrictions are being lifted. That's awesome. Maybe you're here in the room, but regardless, even if you're here in the room, all right, things are different. We're more spread out. We're physically distance everybody stinks like hand sanitizer right it's just it's just it's just different we can't handshake and we can't hug like we used to but here's here's the thing all right every single problem we ever encounter in our lives always presents an opportunity did you know that Every problem always presents an opportunity, and I believe that God never wastes a good problem. Whenever we're encountered with an obstacle, whenever something is thrown in our path, whenever something is thrown in our way, God is always going to use that as an opportunity, my friends. And I've just, I've got this image that I'm fixated on in this season, is that like, I, I just, I've, I've had this come to me multiple times in this season where I just, I keep picturing, you know, in the, in the beginning of creation in Genesis, when God scooped up the dust of the earth and he breathed life into it and he created man out of it. I believe that God is breathing just a new, a new breath and new life in this season. There's something new that he's creating. Like there's just, there's new fresh wind and fresh fire that he's releasing in this season and that the church is being reshaped and we're being remolded and we're being reset and we're being re-engineered and we're being recalibrated so that we're ready for what's going to come next. Every problem presents an opportunity. And here at the church all the time, the King Church staff, I love the team that we work with here. And we're constantly in this season going, okay, what's the opportunity that God has placed in front of us? We don't want to miss what God's up to. We don't want to miss what he wants to accomplish. And listen, as the great Sherlock Holmes liked to say, the game is afoot, all right? God is up to something. I think if Sherlock was alive in the 21st century, or if he ever even existed at all, I guess, that he'd probably say something more like, it's about to go down, son, all right? Like, 
That's what's happening right now in this season, and we're going to be ready for it. Amen? We all want to be ready for it no matter what God's up to. And listen, we're not just being naive. We're not just sticking our heads in the sand. We're not just crossing our fingers and praying really hard that everything's going to be okay. No, we're believing that God is up to something and believing that he's on the move and believing that, listen, it's going to be better than it ever was before. The church is going to come out on the other side of COVID stronger and healthier and more robust than it's ever been. I believe that with all of my heart. My trust in God is based on what he's done in the past, and I believe he's going to do even more in the future. So listen, and as I was reflecting on this this week, I just kept thinking about the character Joshua from the Old Testament. If you grew up in Sunday school like I did, then you probably heard of Joshua. If you didn't, maybe he's new to you. But the fifth book in the Bible is named after him. You can find him there. He's got his whole own book in the Bible, which means he must be a pretty big deal. But Joshua was the successor of a guy named Moses. Now, I don't care if you've ever been to church before in your life. I know you've heard of Moses, all right? Aside from Jesus, Moses is probably the most, you know, well-known biblical figure in all of history. I'd say that's probably true. And Joshua was Moses' right-hand man, essentially. He spent a lifetime following Moses and the proximity of being close to Moses and knowing Moses and walking with Moses rubbed off on him and had an effect, right? Joshua lived through and saw with his own eyes and experienced it with his own body the stuff that Sunday school felt board legends were made of, all right? He got, to, he got to be a part of it all. He was there for all the big ones. He, like the season of the burning bush, and he would have been there for the, the 10 plagues in Egypt. And he would have been there when the Red Sea parted. You know that story, you know, the old Charlton Heston movie, if you've seen that one, right? Like Joshua was alive for all of that. He experienced all of that in his lifetime. And then once they crossed the Red Sea, they're left alone there in the desert with no food and no water. And what's God do? He starts to give them food, something called manna this food just appeared on the ground he caused water to to rush forth from rocks and, and hydrate them while they're in the desert all of these miracles that Joshua would have lived and experienced it was a, it was it wasn't just a story for him it wasn't just something to reflect on it was a tangible experience for him and that's the first learning point that I want us to take from the life of Joshua is that he witnessed God's goodness Joshua witnessed the goodness of God not just once not just twice but time and time again in his life, he witnessed the goodness of God. He saw, what, he saw what God was up to. And the first time that we meet Joshua in the Bible is actually in the book of Exodus. And he's referenced as uh, the general of Moses' army. And so he's this great you know, military leader to be the, the general of an Israelite army. It was a giant army. It was a pretty big deal. And uh, then we see him next again as a spy in the book of, in the book of Numbers. All right? And after they crossed the Red Sea, the Israelites spent three years traveling to this promised land that God had to take them out of Egypt to take them to. All right? So we thought that three months of COVID was a long time. Can you imagine what it would be like to walk through the desert for three years with no guarantee really of what's happening, no, no food, no water, like nothing like that, just three years of trucking through the desert. That was, Joseph, jo- uh, that was Joshua, and he lived it. Joseph, that's Moses and Joshua put together, in case you're wondering, all right? <laughs> Joshua lived this, all right? And once they made it to the border of Canaan, the border of the promised land, then Moses said, hey, I need 12 guys to go in here and to check this out and get the lay of the land and see, see what's really going on and see what we're really up against. So Joshua and 11 other men entered into the promised land, the first ones to set foot to scope it out, and they were there for 40 days. And they came back and they gave a report, and 10 of the 12 men said, there's no way. 
We can't, we can't do this. I don't care what God said. There's giants in there. There's massive warriors. Their armies are bigger than all of ours. There's these, these incredibly huge fortified cities. Like we don't have the military strength and prowess to do this. We need to turn back. We need to think of a plan B. We cannot go in there. And only Joshua and one other guy said, no, no, no. The Lord said it was ours so we can take this. This is no big deal. This is no problem. Joshua had witnessed the goodness of God in his life. He'd seen it on display. And when things got sticky, when things got rocky, when there was obstacles in front of them, when there was a problem, he saw an opportunity, amen? Joshua remembered the goodness of God. He not only witnessed it time and time again in his life, but he remembered the goodness of God when it mattered more than anything else. He remembered the promise. He remembered that he'd been told that there was a land that was flowing with milk and honey, amen? And he remembered that God had said that is, that is yours and that is yours to go take and that is yours to claim. And his past memories were informing his present disposition. Joshua said, we can do this. And God continued to honor Joshua throughout his life. And I promise we're actually gonna read the Bible here in a second, all right? But there's just too much for me to read for all of you one time. But God continued to honor Joshua throughout his life. And eventually he assumed leadership of the entire nation of Israel, you know, when, the, when the spies came back and the 10 men said, we can't do it, the Israelites all rebelled and they kind of freaked out. And so God caused them to wander for 40 years in the wilderness before they ever got to enter the promised land. By the time they got there, Moses had passed away and Joshua was the one who got the honor and the privilege of the burden of actually crossing in to that promised land that he'd believed for 40 years earlier. And in Joshua chapter one, once we finally catch up to the book, that's his namesake, the one, that, the one that's named after him. In chapter one, we find that God is commissioning Joshua to give leadership to the entire nation of Israel. And even God is reminding him of some of his past promises, right? Look at Joshua chapter one, verses, verses nine and 10. We've got it here for you. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. You've heard this before, most likely. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. And here's, here's what's interesting is that in order to cross into the land of Canaan, in order to cross in to the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan River. All right? This is the second water hazard that the nation of Israel has encountered since they left Egypt. All right? The first one is the Red Sea. That's Charlton Heston. We know about that one, right? And God caused the waters to part and they crossed on dry land. So now they find themselves about to enter into this promised land that they've been journeying to for 43 years now. And now there's another water hazard in the way. And the, the, the sea behind them represents a land to which they cannot return. And the river in front of them represents a land to which they must press and they must move forward. There's enemies on the other side of the water behind them and there's enemies in front of them on the other side of this river. They're hemmed in, they're all around. It feels like darkness is kind of starting to, kind of starting to creep in. Have you ever felt like that in your life? Have you felt like that in the last four months, right? Like you're being surrounded on all sides and the enemy is hemming you in. And listen to what Joshua says here, they're surrounded by threats everywhere. And in chapter three, verse five, look at what Joshua says to the nation of Israel. Joshua told the people, he said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua says they're about to cross this river to finally enter into the promised land they've been working for for so long and waiting for for so long. Joshua says, go and consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord is gonna do amazing things among you. And I just wanna take a moment to say today that I believe that the church is in a season of consecration right now. 
And I believe that God is asking us to consecrate ourselves to prepare for what it is he's about to do, all right? We're about to cross the river into brand new territory, which none of us have ever been in before, and we need to consecrate in this season and prepare for what it is that God is up to, all right? There's purification happening. There's reorienting happening. There's remolding happening. There's reshaping happening, all of that, but it's preparing us for what's about to come, amen? Receive that, church. I believe that's a word for this season. And look at what Joshua does in here in verse 14 of chapter 3. It says, So all the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. The priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. That's what carried the, the Spirit of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant. And it was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And then all of the people crossed over to the near town of Jericho. And meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground, sound familiar, in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. And they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground, just like they had on the Red Sea. Now, what I want you to catch here is in verse 15, all right? I want you to see that because it's so important. It says that uh, when the priests, uh, I can't see it there. I can't find it on my, my spot. I know we're right where it is right here, so I'll find it here. It says, it was harvest season. The Jordan was overflowing its banks. And as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, then the water began backing up at a great distance. And don't miss that, all right? Because you know what didn't happen? Those waters didn't start receding until they started walking, right? It took some action and some obedience and some faith and some trust on their behalf before the water ever started to back up. It took some, so the blessing was unlocked when they were obedient. The blessing was unlocked when they started taking those faithful action steps. That's what unlocks the provision. Joseph remembered the promised blessing. He remembered the goodness of God and he started walking and the people started walking one foot in front of the other, slow but sure, steady, forward, undeniable forward momentum in that season. And that's the next thing I want us to notice is that Joshua not only witnessed God's goodness, he not only remembered God's goodness, but he walked in God's goodness. And the entire nation walked in God's goodness. The story that Joshua is most famous for, probably in the entire book, is one that, again, if you went to Sunday school growing up like I did, you probably heard it, is the, the Battle of Jericho, right? This giant city with these massive walls. So they walk across the Jordan in one of the first cities that they encounter. One of the first encampments of the enemy is a city called Jericho with these huge high walls. And if you've heard the story before, God says, hey, here's what I want you to do. The city is yours, but I want you to march around it a few times, all right? And I want you to do that for a few days. And at the end, I just want you to yell at the thing and the whole thing's just gonna come crumbling you down and you're gonna waltz in there and take it over. And to try and just put yourself in the shoes of Joshua in a moment like that of how on earth is that actually going to work, right? That is, this is, I'm, a, I'm a general, I'm a military general. This is not how you do something. This is not how you siege a city. You don't just walk around it and let them throw rocks at you and then yell at it and expect the thing to fall down. But look at, look at what the Lord said to Joshua. Chapter six, starting in verse two. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho and its king and all of its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, the ark of the covenant, the spirit of the Lord, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. And then the walls of the town will collapse, you know, as they do. And the people can charge straight into the town. I mean, can you just imagine the level 
of intimidation, right? The level of trust, the level of confidence, the level of, of reassurance that took on Joshua's behalf. But Joshua had witnessed and remembered, and now he walks in the goodness of God. And I believe that we are being called to do the exact same thing in this season, church. I don't care what it is that looms in front of you. I don't care what it is, what obstacles have been placed in front of us that we are being called to walk in the goodness of God. Because here's the thing that I want to ask. It's a very simple and honest question I want to ask you today is that do you believe the promises in the Bible are actually for you? Do you believe the promises in the Bible are actually for you? Because you know what? Joshua had to wrestle that down on his own. When he took over from Moses, he had to decide, listen, is this for me, is the glory and the weight and the provision and the goodness of God, is that gonna translate to me and to the nation like it did for Moses? Was that, was that about Moses and who Moses was? Or was it about God and who God is? And in this season, we've gotta ask ourselves, do we believe that the promises in the Bible are actually for us? And if you do, then you've gotta ask yourself, the follow-up question is, am I living and walking like I believe those promises are for me? Do I have the confidence and do I have the swagger that Joshua had in his life? Because listen, there's some of us who just feel like, you know what, I'm not sure those promises are for me. Maybe I'm exempt. Maybe it's because I have a little bit of doubt in the back of my mind still and I'm not sure if I'm totally bought in. You know, maybe I just started coming to church online in the last couple of months. I'm not entirely sure if it's for me yet. Or maybe you feel like you've done something in your past that somehow disqualifies you from the promises and the goodness of God. And here, I'm, tell, I'm, I'm here to tell you that it's not, about, it's not about a person, all right? It was never about Moses. It was about, it was about God's glory on Moses, right? And Joshua had to wrestle that down and figure it out for himself. Listen, following Jesus is first and foremost, very simply, cut and dried, just a matter of trust. Do I trust that God is who he says he is? And do I trust that he will do what he said he will do? Because if I can answer that question, and I can say yes, that I trust God with every fiber of my being, with every area of my life, then I never have a reason to worry. I never have a reason to fret. I never have a reason to panic. Joshua had to decide if he believed that it was just as much for him as it was for Moses. It's not for special or for unique people, guys. The glory of God is for anybody who desires it. Anybody can ask for it. Anybody can reach out for it. Anybody can receive the glory of God. Like that's, that's his plan for us. Listen, and Joshua witnessed that and he walked in it. Joshua had confidence and swagger, honestly, that I wish that I, wish that I had. Like, and I want to ask us today, how's your confidence? As a follower of Jesus in this season, how's your confidence to him? If you're just being perfectly honest and real with yourself, how's your confidence in this season? How are you really feeling? Do you have a little bit of Jesus swagger in your step or did you kind of get like punched in the gut and you've got the wind knocked out of you and you're trying to catch your breath? How's your, how's your confidence in this season? Because I think, I believe with all my heart that in this season, it's time for the church to rise up and be confident like never before. I think it's time to do a little trash talking to the devil, if you know what I'm saying, all right? It's time to little, get a little bit cocky, a little bit arrogant, not in what we can do, but in what God is going to do through us, what we believe he's gonna do, amen? Listen, it's time for the church to stop living in fear, all right? It's time for the church to stop believing that, you know, all these horrible things are gonna happen, all these horrible things are taking place. It's time to stop being afraid of the secularization of our culture. It's time to stop being paranoid about the general nature of sin in the world and buck up and stick our chest out a little bit and start swinging the swords that have been placed in our hands. What God has given us, what he's trusted us with, this is, 
who the church is. This is the confidence that Joshua had. I believe this is a season for mighty men and women of God to rise up in confidence and in faith and in trust in him like never before. That that could be what this consecration season is all about. That, you know what, the church is no longer, if we ever were, going to be characterized. We cannot be characterized as, as soft uh, impotent and, and you know simple people no we are we are strong and courageous people that are defined by wisdom and by character like this is who the church is not because of who we are not because of who I am but because we carry the present glory of God with us where we go amen that was the secret sauce for Moses that was the secret sauce for Joshua that is what accomplished all of these amazing miracles in this season right that is what we take and that is what we learn from this and who Joshua said you can have the exact same confidence that Joshua did I need to have the exact same confidence that Joshua did and you know what I love is that your Jericho whatever it is whatever is looming in front of you right now it's already been conquered the enemy's already been defeated. The walls have already been destroyed. God has already conquered it on your behalf. You notice when jo God was speaking to Joshua, he never said, I will give you the city. He said, I've already given you the city of Jericho. Before you even stepped out, before you even started walking around the walls, before you blew any trumpets or ram's horns or did any yelling or anything like that, he said, I've already delivered the city of Jericho into your hands. So we can walk in confidence. Your Jericho has been delivered into your hands, church. The confidence of God should rest on you. It should rest in us. We should be courageous. We should be defined by that. People should sense that on us and in us everywhere we go. And we get to decide in this season, do we live in fear or do we live in faith? I was sitting under the teaching of a, of a, of a really brilliant man this week and he said, did you know that fear and faith are actually the exact same emotion? Fear just assumes the worst and faith assumes the best, right? Fear says, oh, what if that happens tomorrow? And faith says, what if that happens tomorrow, right? And in this season as a church, we've got to decide, are we going to live in fear or are we going to live in faith because we can't do both? And when we live in faith, we walk in some of the confidence and the swagger of who God is when we believe and we trust in the promises and the goodness of God that we sang about and what he's done in the past and what he's accomplished and believe those promises are for us and believe that he is who he says he is and he will do what he said he will do, amen? That that is gonna change everything for us moving forward. Are we gonna live in fear? Or are we gonna live in faith? And for me, listen, based on who God has proven himself to be in the past, my money and my faith and my trust is on the God who parted the Red Sea. My money is on the God who parted the Jordan so they could walk across on dry ground. My, God, my money is on the God who destroyed the walls of Jericho without so much as a second thought. This is the reason for our hope, church. This is the reason we can rehearse hope like Pastor Brent was talking about last week. This is the reason that we can trust God because he's proven himself, because he is who he says he is. All we've got to do is just reach out and believe it and receive it in this season. Listen, I love the words of, of Paul in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 2 says this. He says, God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. Check this out. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and the kindness toward us as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Just, just let the weight, leave that up there for a second. Just let the weight of that rest on you for a second. 
Paul says right here, that's because of God's grace that we've been saved and he raised us from the dead and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, church. What? Just, just, just let that sink in for a second. Sometimes we read the Bible and we don't really stop to think about what it's saying. You've been raised and seated in heavenly realms with Jesus. God himself has raised you and seated you in heavenly realms. That is, that is who we are in Christ. We have no reason to whine. We have no reason to complain. We have no reason to fear. We have no reason to panic or to get down or to be depressed. We're seated in heavenly realms, all right? Joshua learned from his past. When he stepped out into that clearing or whatever it was, and he was walking up to Jericho, and I can imagine the shadow of that city falling across his face for the first time and just, just eclipsing the sun and just, just looming in front of him and, and just filling his entire field a vision, the intimidation you would have felt in a moment like that. But he remembered the goodness of God and he walked in the goodness of God. He remembered that he was seated in heavenly realms. Listen, when you trust in God, it just completely alters your vision. It changes the way we see things, church. It changes the way we react to the obstacles in front of us. It, it fills in the gaps. It filters our, our current events. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. It doesn't matter what's looming in front of us because trust has altered our vision, amen? We see things now through heavenly eyes. We see things through the kingdom of heaven, like the game has changed. When we trust in God, when we have his confidence, it absolutely changes everything. God has saved you and raised you from the dead and seated you in heavenly realms, and he is not about to abandon you now. He's not about to leave you now. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. You are not forsaken. You are not a mistake. And God is doing a new thing in this season. His glory is available to you in this season. He has more for you in this season, church. Listen, we were in a, we were in a staff meeting uh, just, this, just this last week, and Pastor Jay, I love that guy, he brought a word during worship that was just, as I was reflecting on all this this week, it was so helpful in framing it for me and helpful in understanding it. And he was reading from Matthew chapter 11 where it says, uh, it says when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to the 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. And John the Baptist, who was in prison, had heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent the disciples to ask Jesus. He said, listen, are, are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? And I want you just to catch Jesus' response here. It says, he told them, go back to John and you tell him what you've heard and seen. Tell him what you've heard and what you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And this last little bit right here, it says, and tell him that God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. You know what that tells me? It tells me that God is going to do things that confound me, that confuse me, that frustrate me, that cause me maybe a little bit of weird and a little bit of panic in my moments of weakness because I forget to trust. Like, God is going to do things because he's operating on a whole other level that we just do not understand and we just do not comprehend. And in a moment like that, what do I need to do? I need to trust. God says, blessed are those who don't turn away because of me, who don't fall away because of me. Jesus said, go back to John and tell him, let the evidence speak for itself. There's miracles all around. The goodness of God is all around. The goodness of God has always been all around. God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. Listen, God throwing a giant walled city in front of Joshua and in front of the nation of Israel, that's not an ideal situation, right? That is a big problem. That is a huge problem. Giants, great warriors, massive armies, 
all huge problems. Joshua saw the opportunity in the problem. Joshua allowed his trust in God to transform the way that he saw the circumstances that were placed in front of him. And in this season, church, I believe that we're called to be doing the exact same thing. I think the man-made walls that we've erected in our, in our lives, in our society, in our culture, that God is just tearing all of that down, all the earthly power and the politics and the money, the prestige, like whatever it is that we think that we can do in our own power when we start relying on ourselves and trying to build our own man-made towers and our own man-made images. Like in a season like this, God is just reminding us who he really is how frail I really am, how much I really do desperately need him. If I'm relying on myself in this season, I am toast, absolutely toast. God says, trust in me, rely on me like you never have before. Listen, when I, when I read the Bible, I like to just imagine myself in the, in the story, imagine myself just in Joshua's shoes. And I'd like to think that in a moment and in a season like this, that God is inviting us to trust him the exact same way that he did with Joshua. He's inviting us to consecrate ourselves in this season. He's inviting us to walk with confidence and with swagger in this season like we never have before, to be full of strength and poise and wisdom and to carry that with us in the world. People are so desperately searching for it. They so desperately need it in a season like this. People who are just sure of what they know and sure of what they believe and assurance of the hope that they have within them, amen? And that is what the world needs. That's the word the world needs from you in your life. That's the glory of the weight that you carry with you. Listen, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who parted the Jordan, the God who tore down the walls of Jericho invites us to trust him. Jesus said, let the miracles speak for themselves. The glory of God is available to us, church. It's available to you. It's who the church is. So let's walk in his confidence, amen? We're not downtrodden. We're not worried. We're not afraid. We're not fearful in a season like this. We have all the hope and expectancy in the world because of who God is. The moment I start, the moment I start to worry and to fear, I've taken my eyes off of who God is. So in this season, God, we turn our eyes, we turn our eyes to you. Will you pray with me, church? God, we love you today. We thank you that we can trust you, Father. We thank you that you have proven time and time and time again that you are good. T- good time and time and time again, Father, that you can be trusted. Time and time again that you are faithful. So, Father, we say no matter what our Jericho is today, God, no matter what looms in front of us, no matter what threat encroaches, no matter how we're pressed in by enemies and behind and in front, that, God, we believe and we trust in you, God. We've witnessed your goodness. We remember your goodness when we need it most, Father. Father, and we walk in it, Father. God, would you give us confidence in this season? God, we pray that in this season, the church would no longer be defined in our society and our culture as, as weak, soft people, God, but strong people, courageous people, God, people with poise and with wisdom and with character and answers to problems, God, and solutions, Father, and all the grace and all the love and all the kindness and all the mercy and the forgiveness in the world for what people are going through, God. Use us in this season, God. Reorient us in this season, God. Remake us, recreate us, remold us, re-engineer us in this season, God. We say yes to what you're up to. We believe, Father, that you are doing something new. We believe that you're doing an incredible work. And Father, we say yes to it. We are committed not to miss the wind of your spirit as you as you blow, Father, and as you lead and as you guide us. So we love you today, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that our hope is in you and you alone. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.